Welcome to the Meltzone podcast from Earth. It is October 18th, 2019. I'm Tom. I'm Keith. And today we are talking about cool stuff that we saw here at Earth. Uh, for example, the Prusa Mini, uh, whether it's actually a printer that makes sense. Oh, it does. Uh, Protopasta, who you worked for, are yes. doing a live extrusion setup. Correct. Uh, we're going to talk maybe about how that was made happen. Okay. Uh, we, if we get around to doing it, we can talk about FDL and Lulzbot and what is happening to either of those, at least on the information that, you know, is open to the public. You probably know more than you can say, but some of that, yes, <laughs> that's fine. As a kind of downer topic, while this, this fantastic show is happening outside, uh, in Germany, there's been a extreme right wing terror attack using... 3D printed guns, and we're going to look into the information that is out there right now. Uh, what actually happened, and give our opinions on that. And then two more questions from the community um, about the E3D Hermes and about Stefan's issue with the Sapphire printer, and whether it's actually the manufacturer's job to make their printers work or the communities. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all question. right, <laughs> Keith. Man, you're let's let's actually preface this with uh, the disclaimer that you want to start with. Yes. Um. So since we will be talking about some topics that are sensitive in nature, um, the opinions expressed on this show are my own, and not necessarily those of the company that I work for. Yeah. Okay. Glad we got that out of the way. But let's start with a a bit of an upper topic. Earth. Okay. Yes. It's great. It's the first time I've been here. It's. It's a really nice show. It's a bit better organized than Murph. Right. Um, and, and actually, um, yeah, that Earth is definitely better organized in terms of um, Murph. It's not a free-for-all like uh, like like the Murph topic it, or the Murph atmosphere. Like we had a lot of back and forth communication for Murph in terms of setting up the coffee stand that we had set up. Oh, yeah. That was okay. great. Um, and then it turns out that they just kind of went with something else without you know, just last all these last minute changes just because of the miscommunications that happened and people setting up. And of course, that affected a lot of other people as well. Whereas here, Earth, it's you know, pretty much assigned tables other than the exhibitors themselves. Yeah. Um, which is very nice. So all your sponsors, all the um, know where they're going to be at and everything. And it's it's much more organized, but they tried, at least when my conversations with the organizers for Earth, they've tried to keep it loose but organized enough you know so keep that murph vibe of a yeah of a of a of a rep rap festival type thing but not so much that it upsets the sponsors and yeah like i mean it feels great as an event okay so i'm hoping audio is slightly better i was i was a bit worried about that distance but okay yes please excuse audio quality this is as jank of a setup as it gets <laughs> uh, thank you to uh, hartford community college for sponsoring this chair <laughs> <laughs> thank right. you for use of your chair <laughs> yeah thanks for for, for well for letting us have a, a green room and yeah. i think that's one of the things that that really stands out like the folks here you know know hey there are people coming here that may bring some gear that they don't want to leave out on the show floor yeah. because they don't have a, yeah. have a booth um like this is this is joel's and and their team stuff here in in here as well it's, it's just not, it, it feels really good it feels really good so you're coming back next year 
I'll have to see it. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, can't get you to see us on that. <laughs> yeah, no. So I've, I've already booked Murph for next year, but right. it's just there's so much traveling going on. It's mm. always such a, right. such a, such an effort to do it. Right. And I've had people complain on the channel already, like, dude, make some normal videos again. Don't just push out trade show okay. interviews because right. like, that's getting old. Um, and I feel like that sometimes. Like I, I've been at TCT two weeks ago. Was that the impetus for the tweet earlier before like you're not yeah. wanting to come out? Oh, yeah. Hey, there's uh, the mistake. <laughs> the mistake. Mistake, come on in. <laughs> come, say, say hi. Hello. Hey, Joe. Hi there. I'll, I'll stick on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. Originally, we, we were going to have a uh, another podcast episode with Joe 3D Maker Noob and right. Joel 3D Printing Nerd. Right. Um, but they seem busy, so. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I mean. I'm here trying to do just little t five to 10 minute talks on demonstrations for a couple of topics as part of Protopasta's booth Yeah, and also get footage. And it's been, I've been literally running from spot to spot because yeah, so it's, I guess it's nice to sit down, but then again, right now you're not getting any real work done. <laughs> well, but it's a nice, it's, it's a break between two of my demonstrations. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, Protopasta, you guys are you have brought a, a full filament extrusion line it's not full length but right. it's fully it's almost fully featured yes how 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 um so essentially what we did is since we build our own extrusion equipment right we took our own extruder and really we just shortened the line we figured right. out so the, the cooling line basically the, the, yeah. the cooling line itself is what we shortened um and we accomplished that by simply upping the amount of active cooling and well as reducing the speed that we're extruding. Yeah, so okay. you get a bit less throughput and you have right. more fans on there. Right. But other than that, it's the same It's the same design. And the, the yeah. protopasta machines, I don't think you're, you're doing that yet or ever will, but I think they've been set out to be like creatable and, and fit on, on a standard pallet and be sold as just a, hey, here's, a, here's an extruder, use it. Well, I don't know that protopasta wants to get into selling extruders per se, right. but that's one... Uh, Jarek, uh, one of the guys that works actually in the manufacturing side of things, d did a lot of the design work for this extruder, and it is crateable. It is entirely, uh, yeah. the, and, and part of the crate functions as the display for this. I mean, we actually, right. so yeah. some of the, the tables and stuff like that were actually parts of the crate. The crate was designed <laughs> in such a way that you take it apart and it is part of the display. Nice. Like the haul off and spooling area is actually the crate as it stands, a portion of the crate as yeah, it stands, yeah. as it ships. So you're going to be doing this again? I, I, I cannot get any kind of commitment from anybody <laughs> on it being done again. Um, it's, it's, it's very much a conversation of what's next. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know what we're going to do next with it. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I've commented on that before. I mean, I was expecting or was hoping that Protoboss would do like filament workshops on site. Right. As you offer at the at the main right. building that you get, but that that's probably a bit too much just for for a show. Well, the difficulty with the doing a workshop on site is providing a the this the breadth of options that we provide at the workshop. Because at the workshop you have you have all of the colors available, all of the base materials, all of that. Here, because of what we were shipping and what we were doing, we only shipped the materials for exactly the four colors that we're making here. Right. So you've got okay. it pre-mixed. You've got it all set up. Right. We've, I mean, like we pre-mixed no... it, we dried it, we shipped it dry here. 
And so that because we don't have all of those in a workshop or, you know, available here. So making a workshop is going to be a lot of base materials are going to have to go so with it as well. It's going to be one extra crate? Yeah, I don't know. Not, yeah, but it, it's that's the complication is providing all of well, there's such a diverse amount of materials. Yeah, and, obviously. And yeah. I've, I've seen your, your back room with yeah. just tons of different pigments and tons right. of different materials. You know, because we yeah. do, we master batch all our own stuff. So bringing all those master batches is just like, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I bet. I bet. But at least like a, a base, you don't have to bring everything, just a basic, right. hey, mix yellow to red and you get right. color. Yeah, and, and figuring out what that narrowing down is to make it both yet still attractable or something that somebody wants to yeah. come to. And yet feasible for us is going to be the, the trick if we were to go to a workshop type thing. Yeah, probably it's, it's not going to be at a show like this because you're no. doing so much show stuff. But right. just have like a, a road show kind of, hey, we're protoposter, we're here for right. like three it days. Would, yeah, it very this. much wouldn't be part of a, an existing show because the logistics of that would just be a nightmare. Even yeah. even scheduling scheduling anything within the show itself is just, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. It's already crazy, yeah. yeah. Cool. So that's, I mean, that, that's a really nice display. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that on a show before. I mean, no, and not on a, on a 3D printing show. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's, 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 it was wonderful. I was glad to see when it was running and running ahead of time. It was like, it wasn't the last minute. Oh yeah. It's, it's running, throw it in the box and go. <laughs> um, we actually didn't have enough time to set it up uh, at the mini maker fair in Portland and, right. and run it there and then verify that, Things were going to work out nicely here, so we got a good dry run out of it first too. Very good, very good. Uh, let's see. So people, while I was doing the live stream, unfortunately, the Wi-Fi wasn't that fantastic for it. Um, no, I, I was I was promised Wi-Fi here, so yes. I I I think it was for Earth. Yeah, it wasn't from Earth. So for Earth specifically, I asked, hey. Will there be Wi-Fi for live streams? Right. Like, yeah, sure, we, we will have it. Right. And there is Wi-Fi for live streams, but there is not enough Wi-Fi bandwidth and just frequency bandwidth, obviously, yeah. uh, if you actually want to run around with a phone and live stream on the go. Like if you've got a booth set up and you've got a good Wi-Fi connection, a good antenna there, it's going to work, but like that, not so much. But there were people commenting like, hey, Protopasta is too expensive for me. Right. What do you say to that? Well, as a representative of Protopasta okay, at this point. We yeah. Um we know that Protopasta isn't for everybody. Okay, but it is a it, it's a quality product and it's made in the US. So the costs of manufacturing are significantly more. Why don't you manufacture in China if it's we, cheaper? <laughs> well, we are kind of particular about the quality control. Right. I mean, we we don't master batch our own stuff because we wanted to master batch our own stuff. We master batch our own stuff because they weren't doing it right. Right. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, and it, well, the other aspect of that is, is it's a labor of love for everybody that works there. Yeah. I mean. Who who else would make bacon flavored filament? Right. It, it, I mean, so when I got hired on a couple of years ago, one of the phrases that they have on like the website and stuff like that is we're makers making filament for makers. Yeah. Okay. That I feel, I mean, that boils protopasta down. Everybody there likes to make things. And what's what we're doing? We're making filament for other makers. It's not about, you know, the, the, hey. we're not trying to, we're not trying to put 
the filament out there for every single person and make tons of it. Yeah, there's plenty of that already out there. There's plenty of all that out there. You know, we don't, we're not trying to be the, you know, the cheapest out there. Yeah. So, I mean. We should have put a recording sign on that door. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, there is cheap filament out there, plenty right. of it. Right. If you just want generic PLA. Right. You, for, for prototypes and stuff, but what you guys do is you have the, the metal, the conductive. Um, right. You know, all that, the specialty stuff, and just really nice colors that you're not going to get from, from an ESA. Right. And, and what we focus on with our material is we want it to come off the print bed ready to use. Other than the metals, we don't generally talk about post-processing. Right. Okay. So we're not looking for you to print something and sand it and paint it and stuff like that. We want you to like the material for what it looks like when it comes off the print bed, yeah. which is why we focus so much on the aesthetics. Glitter. Glitter. Well, you know, glitter and, and yeah, um, it's it's all about it. We want it to look good right coming off the bed. We don't, yeah. we're not a, we're not a sand it, paint it kind of place. The polishing of the metals is probably the only one we talk about post-processing, but those are for different unique textures or visuals right that you really can't get any other right way. like yeah. the patina the rusting you know the, the shiny metals i mean yeah nice yeah as long as that works as long as there's, there's people interested in those unique materials then right. well i mean for example okay let's like let's look at cosplayers as, uh, as a market or a segment of the 3d printing yeah. filament market which actually okay. there are quite a few of here with right. really nice stuff right you couldn't tell it's 3d printed right now, if the price is the objection to filament, okay, we're not going to get a lot of the cosplayers because we are a little bit more expensive, okay? But what the cosplayers do is they use our material in those accent pieces. So we're not going to be, you know, you got a suit of armor. You're not going to print it in all protopasta necessarily because that's going to get a little costly. Yeah. But the accent pieces, you know, which is why Amy Dublee came out and did her red because she wanted jewels. Yeah. The so she makes this. My enemies red. Yeah, yeah. She makes this beautiful blood of my enemies red because she wants gems. And so that's what she's doing. And she's putting LEDs behind all of these, this beautiful red, deep red. Yeah. And then I don't know, did you check out Orthographic Audio and their Blood of My Enemies speaker? Uh, I, I talked to them at Murph, but I've not seen the speaker. Okay. Yet, so when you're done, check out that nice. Orthographic Audio. He, he joked, he called it an ode to the workshop because he printed almost all the speakers in different workshop colors. <laughs> and that's the, nice. the the blood of my enemies one just pops off that table. It's on the right hand side. You'll see it. It just right. pops right off that table. Nice. Yeah. So where the where the film and making workshops did did I actually have a hand in that? Sort of. Um, that was you know we had kind of we were trying to figure out you know we like these type of events these these it's a creative energy reboost. Yeah. Um. And we were trying to figure out something to do with, you know, how can we do that, but without having to go everywhere somewhere. Yeah. So it kind of was like, hey, what if we bring people to us? And then we were like, we got a lot of requests for custom filaments. I mean, we still get custom requests all the time. But if there isn't a recipe out there for it, you know, how do we do that? So the workshop was kind of designed for, you got, we had Joel come, we had you come out. Um, and so people were like, we got more and more requests for custom and people were wanting to do that. We were like, well, we could kind of do that for everybody if we did it yeah. as a batch. So we basically bring exactly. everybody to a workshop and we do it 12 people at a time. And, and it's, yeah. it's a, it's a really nice experience. I mean, I've not done the workshop workshop. Right. I've, I've gotten like the extended right. workshop experience, right. but yeah, so. I mean, we, it's it very much, uh, you know, we're in this 
culture now where everybody wants to have a, a, an experience of some sort. And so this was yeah. plays into that whole, okay, let's, let's do an experience. So we have them come to us. We make sure that, I mean, we, we feed you at this thing too. I mean, and it's not just, it's not just, you know, little Caesars or something like that. It's a local, local pizza joint that's been there for years. And the donuts are from a local spot that everybody loves. And, you know, just kind of, yeah. Just it's an, it is an ex- it's like a, a one day holiday. It's a one day holiday, and it's all about three yeah. D printing. We, I mean, and the workshop today is a little different than the very first one because we iterate it just like every maker iterates everything else. And now at the end, I mean, we actually encourage people to bring stuff to share and talk about because during the downtimes of the workshop, people are sitting there talking with each other about different ways they use the three D printing. And so we actually were like, okay. What if we try and get the actual work portion of the workshop done a little faster and give to people more time to sit and actually have an organized show and tell of sorts? Yeah. Like, which is why Project FDL, when they brought their stuff out, they brought their their blasters and yeah. and it was that was awesome. I mean, and then yeah, so. I, I, I can imagine the <laughs> what that turned into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had some fun. <laughs> Speaking of things that are more hands-on, let's talk about something that is more hands-off, the Pusha Mini. Yeah, um, that was... Of course, Joe, Joe played real well into that with the whole big announcement and it being a little... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was kind of tongue-in-cheek funny, but you know, it was just like, okay. Um, but it's also interesting to see that there was that Mini that uh, was created. It was actually just a miniaturized Mark III um, that somebody had brought. Right, yeah. Through. I at that show, yeah. and you know, he's like, "Oh, would you guys like a small printer?" And then the next thing he does is actually have a different small printer. Well, obviously, they were already working. Well, obviously, obviously, yes, obviously. exactly. Yeah, it yeah. was always real in the works, but it it just kind of played into him being able to ask, "Hey, is this something you guys want?" And I was like, "Oh, that worked out well," you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, what what they're doing with it is that they're trying to be more accessible. Yeah, yeah. which is which is fantastic, right? Uh, but they're also taking away the kit. Which are, eh. oh the, the the mini's not available as a kit. It's so it on the website it's listed as a kit, but the kit portion is like three parts. You, you assemble it like a CR10 where you okay, have right. the base so and the vertical, a, and, right. and you, you plug in the extruder. So they're saying it's like a twenty minute assembly. Okay. Um, so you don't actually get to build it, and I can understand why they're doing that. Right. No. Uh, because they can build it much more efficiently right. than the amount of effort they'd have to spend to walk people through it to customers. Right. Right. Which I mean, you're familiar you're doing customer support, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that can be you know its own its own yes pitfall. Right. Um, but there's no kit anymore. Uh, I mean, it's still all open source. It's right. still all, it's still very much printed, uh, right. which is nice. Um, but I, uh, I've always recommended the Mark III, even you know, which is a higher end machine. Right. Uh, it's two to three times as much. Right. Uh, Four times, three times, three times as much. Yeah, I've always recommended that as a kit, not because it's cheaper and you know you, you save a buck, but because you get the experience of actually building the thing and you learn something in the process. Right, and and I agree with that. I I, I want people to get a positive experience when they come into three D printing, and so getting into coming in as as somebody that can build something because that build manual for the Mark Three is. Phenomenal. Build manual. I've, I've never read that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've I've had to look at portions of it um, for for particular pieces um, to discuss things with people in terms of support. But um, 
that that's probably one of the best build manuals I've seen for a 3D yeah. printer. And honestly, I think in order to actually maintain your printer well, building it helps. Yeah. And so, so I agree with the I agree with the getting the kit. And you're right. The price objection on the Mark III is a really hard one to overcome. I mean, it's easy to say if you want a printer that's going to print, get a Mark III, and then people are like, "Oh, okay," but that's three times the cost, and yeah. they're like, "But you, it's real hard as, uh, you know, somebody in the community to try and explain all the differences between that third price machine and the the Prusas." Because you don't see it on the spec sheet. No, you right? don't. It's the, 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 the size is the same. The right. features are right. similar. Right. Uh, maybe there are a few details like, okay, crash detection. Do I actually need that on the market? Right. Like, is that worth three x? Right. Um, you don't see that, but and yeah. it's, it's a hard pitch to get those people moved. In fact, I had somebody ask me, and I said, and, and they were well enough off. Affording the Mark III was not an issue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the often the objection is, well, we can't afford the Mark III. Well, okay, that's fine. I understand that. But this was some people that could actually afford the Mark III. Yeah. Okay? And I recommended it to them because, well, it was going to get them printing. And I said, and if you really want to learn it, get it as a kit. And they went and bought a $250 printer. And guess what it's doing? Nothing, I nothing, guess. Yeah. Nothing. No, it's sitting there, idle. They're still on their first roll of filament. <laughs> Which sucks because you, you guys aren't selling any filament. No. <laughs> no I, mean, I mean, the family members went and bought them several rolls of protopasta to okay. go with this because it was a gift, right? Yeah. And they're not even, like, using any of it. They aren't even first to that first roll at all. Now, there is certainly a case to be made for buying a cheap printer and modding it out and, and getting it, you know, tweaked in your way. Right. But I think that's more of a second printer type thing. Depends on, on how you look at it. Like if you're if 3D printing is a hobby for you, if right. it's something you enjoy spending right. your time on, then there's nothing wrong with buying a, a printer and learning like all the ins and outs of that right. and, and building and printing modifications to that and making it an actually great printer. Right. It's definitely something out there. But yeah, it's it's also why why I'm usually recommending if people ask me, hey, what, what right. should I buy? Just buy the Mark III uh, or buy the Mark III S at this right. point. Right. Uh, because like that is one that I know everyone's going to be able to use right even though it is very expensive for what it is on the surface i'm, I'm, right. I'm gesturing air quotes yeah. here <laughs> uh, for those of you listening on the audio version uh so yeah the, the mini i mean it does take away build volume right but it's still fairly big yeah seven inches right uh, each direction is still very usable i think I've, i mean if you're not okay with a seven inch printer you're not going to be okay with a Eight inch printer, in right, right, right. The, the like, inch isn't going to be a deciding factor on your build volume, I don't think. It's not. I mean, it's smaller, yes, but it's right. not a massive difference, right? Uh, it's still the same. Certainly thing. not no. the one twenty millimeter I started on. Yeah, <laughs> it does look significantly smaller. Um, it does have that three D bit platform, which I I think is interesting that they're putting it that on the lower end printer first, right? But then again, the thirty bit boards are actually cheaper to produce because the Admega is actually because it's such an old. What is it? Nineteen ninety two when the chip was first announced. Yeah, yeah, because, no, it's, it's because Admega is still making those. Yes. It's a legacy part. You're paying so much of a premium just for that processor. Um, and what they're also saying is the development is actually cheaper for it because you have proper debugging. Uh, you have a, a JTAG port. Uh, which the Arduinos don't have. You have to write stuff to the serial console to see what your software is doing, uh, which is horrible, but it's the way that's being done. For a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I used to do that stuff. <laughs> exactly. So that part of the development is much easier, much cheaper, and also you don't have to worry about 
processing power because 16 or 20 megahertz is not a lot of horsepower, especially on that old architecture. Right. So yeah, development is cheaper. So uh, it makes sense. And, and what's I just interviewed Prusha, by the way, um, what he's saying is because they're starting on a lower end machine, the board is cheaper, but they don't have all the features implemented yet. Right. So crash detection, even though the TMC2209 supported, the mini doesn't do yet. Okay. Uh, because it's not implemented yet because that's where, where they're right. saving some, some money. It's going to be interesting how many Mark III's they still sell. Because I, I don't think the features... you think they're going to compete with themselves on... on? They, they definitely are. Okay. Um, because I don't think that the features that the Mark III has, like the on-paper features, right. like detection, film and sensor, which you can get on the Mini 2, those aren't the big upsell or the, the, the big right. reason for people to get a Prusa printer. It's right. the fact that it's a Prusa printer and it's reliable and you get a manual and support with it. Right. right. And you still get that with the Mini. Right. So I can see a lot of people who, like you said, are kind of like on the edge of, uh, do I actually want to buy a Mark III? And then uh, maybe right. begrudgingly buy it and, and like, uh, I spent a ton of money on it. But, uh, right. They're just going to get a Mini. Right. And hopefully. Yes. I still need to test it. Hopefully be happy right, with it right. too. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Like, hope, Let's hope Prusa's making a margin on the Minis too. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to be cutting into their own flesh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very possible. Yeah. I mean, I, they may well see that it's like, Oh, our Mark III volume went down significantly, and if the margins aren't quite there, it could. I mean, that's kind of what happened with Project FDL. Yeah, which is a fantastic transition. Okay, well done. Yeah. So, Project FDL. Yes. What is, What is happening with those guys? So, I mean, I, I what got, What is Project FDL? Okay. For those of you who don't know, right? Project FDL is um, a foam dart league, which is the FDL, which is what that Ooh, okay. stands for. I did not know that. Okay. So, yeah, FDL stands for Foam Dart League because they can't say the word nerf. <laughs> okay. And so it's a foam dart launcher, um, which is a nerf uh, weapon to, to launch your nerf darts. And, okay. and, and, and yeah, so they're, they recently open sourced their version, their most recent blaster. Yeah. Um, which took, you know, there was a lot of excitement in that. It's a fantastic design. Oh, Joel, a, Joel yeah. built one. I think you brought one. Joel so, built one. Joe brought one, yeah. Joe 3D Maker new brought one. Oh, okay. So and so, and there's one on filamentum's table. There's one on our table. There's I mean we've all built yeah. these blasters because it's I, a wonderful. I, I, I still need to. Well, you need to. Did you at least go fire one at the range? Uh you need I still to. Still need to do that. Yes. Joel's weapon is over there for you to shoot. Okay, perfect. And so is uh, 3D Maker Noobs. I've I've fired the the other blasters. Okay, you yeah. need you need to go do that. Um, it is and and gnomes are hanging out as the targets for you. Oh, perfect. So, um, which, you know, as you mentioned, I mentioned the workshop where they came to. Uh, somebody may have set up some gnomes on the edge of the couch and just started blasting <laughs> at them. I I don't know who that would have been, but hmm. somebody may have done that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so they open sourced their design. And the 3D printing community, of course, latched onto that great. And so they switched from printing blasters. So that, that's what they were doing before. Yeah, they were yes, they were selling you full kits with all the printed parts and all the mechanicals. And it all was actually stuff. fully assembled. I mean, it was, oh, okay. it, was, it was fully done. Yeah. But that was their market, at, at least the way I understand it, on how this kind of played out. I'm making some assumptions here. Is the market seemed to have been the actual people that were in the foam dart leagues and playing with okay. this okay and then they open source it and so now all the 3d printing community guys are like great wonderful i'm going to print the parts so now project fdl is selling just electronics kits right okay well let's see 
3D printed parts with electronics versus kits, which one has more margin? It depends on how you set it up. Right. But it depends on how much how much labor you have to put into them. Right. Too. But so now they're selling kits that are available um, and they're no longer actually selling a completed unit. Right. Okay. So their their market segment has shifted and it was rather abrupt because there was a big push. I mean, everybody was excited about this. Yeah. And was, so it was very sudden. Was this their, their full-time gig? Or? Yeah, they were okay. their 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 whole family is lives off the income from making those blasters. That is pretty impressive. So yeah. now they're no longer printing blasters, they're just right. selling kits. And what I understand is that a lot of those electronics are the same stuff that are used in the drones. And yeah, I've, there's, I've there's, seen some parts. It's yeah. off-the-shelf parts for right. the most part. And so apparently something to do with the motors, the way the motors are used in the blaster versus the way they're used in the drone world. And they keep iterating the drone motors caused a lot of support in terms of figuring out motors okay. that were going to work for the blaster. So they were sinking a lot more time into making sure the kits were good with the, the ever-changing supply lines. Right. So they're putting a lot more time into this and there's there's and with a lower margin product. Okay. And so that just that can't work out. Yeah. No. And so, so it's 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 kind of like success. I mean, the, the the demand was huge for the kits, but it was just not. It didn't help them. Yeah. So the the, the question is, I mean, did the you're saying it's it's two different customer bases, mm -hmm. the ones who are printing them and buying the, the kits, right. and the ones who are buying the the fully assembled ones. Right. Are they still selling the fully assembled blasters? Yes, these are, but okay. the orders for them have went down drastically. Just like okay. you're talking about Prusa and essentially eating yeah. their own flesh, that's kind of what sounds like happened with Project FDL. Okay, you've got okay. two competing projects products, one with a low margin on it, one with a higher margin on it, and everybody's going for the low margin one. And okay. and, and so yes, they it, it was. How, how do you make that work though? I I, I don't know. Um, I I mean. Long term, it may have worked if they got back to getting more customers coming from the foam dart league yeah. type stuff and less of the big push of people coming from the 3D printing community because, oh, I can print my own parts. I can do what I want with that portion of it, yeah. which is great. I love the fact that it was open sourced from that perspective that, that you could print the parts because we have printers. But unfortunately, all the people without printers didn't keep buying units and they were spending a lot of time on yeah. this on the kits um, i don't know if, if again I'm, I'm not deeply into project FDL, right. but I'm, it, it feels like there was an overlap of people who actually would have bought the the kit but were more interested in having that blaster yeah. so the the only option they had to get that blaster was to buy the fully assembled one right so it's not lee well i, I don't know how, how deep that nerve Blaster League. <laughs> there's there's a lot of people uh, out there. I mean, not doing it. So the, it's it's the it's the people that, that are actually playing in those leagues that are buy or, or buying and building the kits. Right. Okay. So it's it's not that those people would exclusively only buy uh, fully assembled ones. Right. Okay. I mean, the, it's just that the, the yeah, it was very much a competing product, and it took you know two competing products from the same place took you know took the, too much flesh out of the one product. And, yeah. Mm. And mm. yeah, mm. and then then like you said, you know the ever changing supply line of at least as I understand it, the motors because the specs on those kept changing, and so trying to find ones that would work yeah. appropriately. So yeah, the 
the, the the official story that that I know is, hey, we couldn't find enough supply for the parts. And right. that, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Because if you just have a handful of, of, of blasters that you're selling, right. low volume, basically, yeah. you can probably find stock of those motors right. That, right. that you need, right. you know, if it's 50 right. or 100 motors. Right. But if you're all of a sudden trying to find 2,000 of them, right. And that's going to be really challenging. Right, exactly. Okay. You know, so, hmm. you know, so if they're printing, you know, I, I don't know the volumes. I don't know the volumes that they were doing. But let's just assume that they were printing 10 a month. Okay? Right. All right. And now all of a sudden they're doing 50 kits a month. Okay? And so, yeah, that I don't know what the margins are, but you would seem if you're selling a bunch of these and not so many of these, that hopefully there's enough profit overall that yeah. that's going to work out. And it may have long term, but if you're getting 50 motors a month all of a sudden and the supply line is changing on you and you're constantly having to find different ones because they're changing, now your kits are iterating. And, and if people are asking for support, you've got to, it just becomes a, a huge nightmare, I think, in terms of all of that. Are, are they doing some sort of, of crowdfunding Patreon membership thing? Because no. that, right. That, that, that's the one thing that that, that comes to mind uh, for right. me, of course, because I'm I'm largely funded by my patrons. Right. Um, as soon as you bring in a community project like you know Marlin even or, right. or open source blasters or anything right. that, that that gives back, there will be people that are willing to to also give to that project right. voluntarily on a, on a regular basis, right. Patreon, etc. And so I, it's probably not going to be like if you're saying it's a whole family, right. you know, making the money on, on yeah. that. It's probably not going to be right away something that that's right. going to support them and that hard. Yeah, and and I think something to look into. I don't know. Yeah, long totally. long term, I think they could have. Long term, I think it could have worked if there wasn't the additional issues of the supply lines yeah. of the motors. Uh, at least I, I, that's the one part I know that they were having some issues with. I don't know if there were other issues with other parts within that thing. Um, but the motors were used as an example in, in some of the stuff that yeah. I saw. So what what are they doing moving forward? Uh, that I don't know exactly. Um, okay. Uh, they from some of the hints that I've seen. I mean, okay, you talked about fans and support Patreon wise. There was a huge outcry of support in terms of yeah, you know. But at the same time, it's it's that open source stuff where it's like, oh, that's too bad. It's wonderful, but you know, all the apologies. I'm sorry, you guys are going. You know, all that kind of stuff. That doesn't. Pay the bills. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, if it, but that's nice to have, right? And it's it's encouraging, right? But at the end of the day, it doesn't put it does, food on the table. No, it doesn't. Yeah, and that's so, and that's the unfortunate thing with with open source type stuff like Marlin and everything else is it's it's great that you you know verbally say I support this and stuff like that, but at the same time, if you aren't actually buying anything or supporting them with money, then the project isn't gonna yeah. be there forever. Yeah, at some point. You know, that's the negative side of open source stuff is that there isn't always the money there that needs to, even if it's just a little bit to, for one family, <laughs> yeah. you know, perhaps it's not meant to be, perhaps I, open source is not something if it's, if it's a, a quote unquote small product, like, right. uh, like a, a blaster, I'm, I'm sure there's been plenty of development work in there. Right. Maybe that's not something that, that can even, you know, continually support a, an entire family. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's still a, it's still a tough topic. It is. It is. It's, it's it's definitely something that I've been thinking various things about on it. Yeah. Just what it means overall. There's no definitive answer on it. No. Uh, yeah. Some people can make it work. Right. Thankfully. I mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm getting uh, NPC and C flashbacks here. 
Yeah. Because that, it's the exact same topic, right? Right. Uh, well, I mean, as a, as a filament manufacturer, uh, you know, of course, there are very much people making their living off of what they've printed. Yeah. Um, and I, I like to talk with those people about their businesses, like they're trying to figure out so I can understand what, you know, some people are making pens. They're making 3D printed pens and making them. Yeah. And it's like, I would have never thought of that. But so I like to have those conversations, but the most successful ones that I've seen actually turn out to be ones that they will not release their designs, you know, because the community will be like, oh, please open source, please open source. I have a 3D printer. But then something like FDL happens. They open source the design and now their bread and butter just all went suddenly went away. And I think it was, I think a lot of it was the very suddenness of that shift. I mean, not that a, a business couldn't have reacted to that shift, but when, you know, if you're not prepared for it and you don't have, you know, a huge buffer in the bank to yeah. send to that support and all, you um, know, to ha- handle that shift, it, it's easier for larger companies to handle a shift like that. Than a small company like a, yeah. a family. Now the the question obviously that is or that I still have is if it's a a blaster that there is no margin to be made on a parts kit, like isn't somebody else just gonna come along either way, whether or not they open source it and make a cheaper version of it? Because you know the the figuring out of the design has already right. been done and it's just a Well, you know, it, it sounds like the parts themselves are changing enough that Somebody's going to have to take it on as a passion project in order to make sure that the the parts are compatible with each other as far as electronics. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I get this feeling that if nobody maintains the the parts compatibility, it won't be around for long in terms of being able to be something. I mean, like you can go print the actual casing of it, but the electronics that go inside it, you you know. Um, you may not be able to get parts that are compatible, or you may spend a lot of time figuring out which ones are. Yeah. It's tough. It, it, it's, it's tough it's, for sure. There's lots of things. I mean, we could probably talk the whole show on Project FDL. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so let's not, and let's okay. actually skip Low Spot because you probably need to go get back to a workshop at some point. Let me just it's check real quick here. Um, I need 12 to. a.m. Uh, 12 p is it I, I, is noon p.m or a.m I oh never know. funny you should ask that we've germany uses 24 hour time right everywhere so right. what so no so 24 hours so 12 a.m and 24 hour time is zero 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 right four zeros okay right so that makes so it 12, 12 a.m because it's the morning okay and so noon is 12 p.m p.m okay yep okay because yeah and so yeah it's you're not the first person to ask that recently and i'm like that's kind of interesting but I don't have to go anywhere until 1230. So Okay, perfect. Perfect, yeah. perfect. The US is weird. I mean, you, you guys in your units? Like Oh gosh. Yo, don't don't get me started. Yeah, no, I don't want to get started on that. I, <laughs> I I do I do typically I do 24 hour time and yeah, no, I'm and now that I'm in 3D printing, I metric as much as possible. Yeah, no, I I, I don't like our units. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. That we're on the same page here. Uh, <laughs> let's see if we're on the same page for this next topic. Okay. Which is uh, about well, firearms too. Um, so uh, here is the backstory, and I may be getting this slightly wrong. So please read the uh, appropriate article. So in the German town Halle, a extreme right wing 
attacker has uh, killed two people and injured two more using what uh, has been called 3D printed guns. Uh, so it's been a anti-immigrant, anti-Semite, whatever you know you want to call it, uh, attack. The guy apparently also had four kilograms of explosives in his car. And he was ready to shoot up a, a synagogue, um, but the only reason he didn't manage to do that, well, were, were two things. Well, I, I guess that the bigger one was that they locked their doors. Okay. Smart, smart move. move. Yeah. Um, Lock the door. Which, I mean, which sucks that he had to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and the other reason was uh, his firearm jammed, so he did not manufacture that correctly. Uh, I mean, that. What the fuck? First of all, <laughs> uh, and I'm—I mean, the entire 3D printed firearms thing—it's been chewed up and down, right? Like for sure. Uh, and this is like this is the first case where it's been reported that there's actual shit happening with them. Yeah, but so here, here goes the explicit tag. <laughs> but <sighs> but so let's. But based on the images of the weapon yes. that, that were used. Which okay. I, I don't know if that is the actual confirmed police image of it. Right. We're going to show that to you here on camera real quick. And we're also going to link the thread. So that is one of the firearms used. So that is a, a design that apparently can be made without 3D printed parts entirely. And right. if you look at the receiver, the receiver and the barrel and, you know, the, the loaded parts, it's all... You know, stock aluminum and and steel tubing, right? And welded together. Yeah, so that's right. the he, he had. I think he had four weapons in total. Um, this is a submachine gun, apparently. Um, the other one was a uh, what did they call it? A slam fire shotgun, essentially. So it's. I want to show them that one. Yeah, let's, yeah. Um, get uh, rotate here <laughs> um, because it is rather long. So whoop, there we go. So that is the other one that he used. Um, and that is basically just steel tubing uh, and maybe a few welded parts. Yeah. Um, but the 3D printed part of that is this part up front here. So that's a shell holder where you have six shells, or five shells around the barrel, and you basically right. have a, a quick way to access them. So essentially, his speed loader was 3D printed. So it's a 3D printed weapon. <sighs> yeah. Is the claim, essentially. That's, I mean, that, that's what it's, what it's being portrayed as. Right. right? And of course now we we get to so it's it's six shells. Apparently no five five. I'm I'm bad at counting. Okay. So apparently the guy was known to have published 3D printing uh blueprints, files yeah. for DIY weapons. Uh he's apparently written about that attack on forums before. Um so it's not like this was coming out of the blue. Right. Which is which is its own right. topic on right. itself. But just let's just let's talk about the uh, God. I I don't want to talk about this because this sucks. But but the perception is is that if a, a part is on there, the media latches onto the three D printing. Yes, and gets this negative view on guns and three D printing. Yeah, and it's probably NordVPN is probably going to kill me for this but their their agency was was specifically like hey you know we I'm I'm going to upload a NordVPN sponsored video in a second they were like hey you know because you're doing 3D printing like one of the things we can do is you know uh circumvent um censorship around right. topics that may be illegal in your area like 3D right. printed content and I was like I 
I don't, I don't really want to advertise that. I'm sorry. That's no, no, not touching that. And literally half a day later, we, we get these news. Right. Um, so it, 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 it is apparently it's a topic that people know about. And, and this is just going to drive it home even more. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate no. because the media likes, of course, I don't know why they want to make 3D printing bad. It's, I mean, you know, you know why bad stories always catch on more. Like, well, right. Like, hey, this right. is this new killer technology right, that right. everyone's going to be making right. uh, firearms that are untraceable with. Right. Which is being done. Right. And now we have proof that it's being used for bad. But, but that's <laughs> not a 3D printed weapon. It's so that that slam fire shotgun definitely is not like that 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 you've got a 3d printed accessory on a gun yes that is that is true the other one i mean the core part that is like legally defined as the firearm is you know regular metal parts right but i mean i I see that the uh like the the magazines are printed the, the grip is printed um some receiver parts um are printed as well and of course, there are those those models like the AR-15 low receiver, which we all know about, which is the in in the US at least legally the only part that is a gun, right? And that you can fully three D print on an FDM machine, right? Just that lower assembly, yeah. But, but the perception that the media likes to give is that the entire weapon is three D printed, which there yeah. are very few plans for of that can be done that way. The 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 it, it's a, it always seems to be a stretch where it's like, oh, so there's that 3D printed accessory on the slam fire rifle. And so that makes the whole weapon 3D printed, at least in the minds of the media. And then therefore portrays it to society. Now, in, in, in that case, very definitely 3D printing made it or, or made this gun work. Right. And the thing, of course, is you could make firearms in, in another way with a lathe or a mill. Or you're right. just taking yes. taking the, the I mean, plastic parts are not something that are, that is that needs to be made out of plastic. No. You could take plywood sheets, glue them together, and make a magazine. And Right, yes. No, in that's the same fashion. And, and that's where the... the why, is that, why, is, why is 3D printing taking all of this negative heat for stuff that can be done via other means? And via other means better. Because... Well, it's because it's been done in that way. Right. The the question though is if it's so you, if you're saying okay it could be done better in other means like why didn't this freak do it in another way? Why didn't he do it with wooden that, parts? I I don't know. Was I mean, it because it's it's easier for him to to make 3D printed weapon parts than doing it? Probably is. I I mean <sighs> a, a handle is kind of a unique, uh, you know it's it's an organic type shape. I mean it's designed to be ergonomic. Right, so yes, wooden handle may be a little bit more difficult, but a, a rifle stock is wooden. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so it's it's. I, I really don't like the fact that we we're trying to give this negative image of three D printing just because it, you can you can make parts for stuff. I mean, this goes into that I mentioned it to you earlier, is that. A 3D printer is a tool. Yeah. You know, just like a saw or a lathe or, you know, all of those types of things. Or a framing nailer. Right. You know, all those types of things. It's just a tool. Yeah. And most people are going to use it in whatever they're already doing. I mean, there's not, not everybody gets into 3D printing as a hobby that that's the, the sole thing they do. You know, 
there's 3D printing as a hobby because you like to play with the designs, or there's 3D printing as a hobby because you like to fix the printers. But not everybody gets into that. There are people out there, the strangest it may seem to you or I, that the 3D printer is just another tool in their arsenal of tools, like the saw or anything else. Yeah. And that's that's where the mass adoption of 3D printing is really going to come in, because not everybody's going to be a 3D printing hobbyist. Yeah, I mean, we're already at that point. Yeah. Where it's just getting so accessible. Right. And yeah. so it's, it's, it, we, we need to realize that it, it's a tool. I mean, the CNC machines have been able to and have for many years made weapons. Yeah, I mean. That's, that's, the, that's the better way to make them. Yeah. They've been doing it for a long time. Why are we not talking negatively about the CNC ones? It's always been done that way. The thing is, CNCs are a bit less accessible than a 3D printer. If you can get a, a printer for 150 bucks uh, from wherever that prints beef parts, these are not good-looking parts. Like that's these are these are made on some cheap printer for sure. Um, if the barrier to entry is like 150 bucks for a tool that can be so versatile that can be used for so many different things, like I think that that's just making it easier to reproduce these parts as well. It's less work that you have to put into uh, manufacturing it because the printer does the job versus you know doing it manually with wood or whatever other materials. Well, and we, we did talk the, about the fact that that. The, the automatic portion of that weapon didn't function because of a millimeter clearance or yeah. some type of thing like that. What, so if let's just get that clear. If that thing did work, more people would be dead right now. Yes. Yeah. But the, going back to the $150 printer, how accurate are those prints? How good are those prints that come off of there? I mean, yes. Apparently good enough. So it was. It wasn't. So the, the design flaw apparently wasn't on the three D printed part. It was on one of the parts. That's what I picked up. I might right. be getting this wrong. On one of the parts that he manufactured by hand. So it was just a simple measurement error that he made. So he had like a millimeter too tight, um, so it wouldn't repeat correctly. It would jam on the uh, on whatever cycle. Uh, I, I, I do want to give a, a bit of a background of, oh. of uh, you know, German gun laws. Right. Um, so the way we handle it, and I, I did pick you because yeah. you're an American. Right. You, you, guys, yeah. you guys are, are, are a bit different here. So German yeah. gun laws work in the following way, right. where uh, basically nobody can own guns unless you use them for sports okay. or you're a hunter. Right. Um, you have to go through background checks. You have to go through training. Right. Um, it is checked that you are properly... Uh, keeping your stuff in safe. Right. Uh, if you're not mentally capable to own a gun, uh, you are not allowed to, to have one in your home. Okay. Um, you can still shoot them, as, as far as I'm aware, you can still shoot them at a shooting range. Right. Uh, you can keep it in safe there. That's right. fine. Um, so we have, I think, fairly strict gun laws. Okay. Um, having grown up with that, right. I think they're fairly reasonable. People might disagree, might think they're too strict. They're not strict enough. Um, but I think that the core is also, if you buy a firearm, of course, you need to have a, a gun license. You need to, uh, have some sort of indication that you're using it for sports or for hunting, uh, and it needs to be registered and all that. And of course, what, what, what accessible 3d printing and CNC machines, uh, do of course, is that entire untraceability and giving people access to firearms that shouldn't have access. Right. Um, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, at least in Germany, sharing files that can be used to manufacture parts is gray area or illegal. 
So it'd be interesting because then how how do you know the difference between let's let's take the trigger assembly, which the trigger is a kind of a unique looking part, and right. But how do you know the trigger assembly on a foam dart launcher versus a trigger mm-hmm. assembly on? I believe some parts are freely available, um, okay. just like in the U.S., where the low right. receiver is the weapon itself. I think in Germany, yeah. like some parts, you can get without any checks. You can just order them online. Right. Um, but parts that I think are crucial and essential to a firearm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm no expert on that topic. Um, but some parts are, of course, restricted in, in who can buy them, who can manufacture them legally. Um, and the, I mean, the thing is, we are on the Internet. Yes. Uh, 3D printing exists because the Internet exists and people were sharing ideas. Right. And this is now something that, you know, obviously still is happening on the Internet. But now we have to, to, to differentiate. Okay, it's okay in these areas of the world and it's not okay in these other areas of the world. Which is, I mean, impossible to to regulate. In right, right. Yeah, I'm like, like, yeah, you can say that it's you you can't share, but it's gonna happen. I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to say whether it's good or bad. I'm simply saying it's gonna happen. It's not. That's yeah. That's that's the core of it, right? Yeah. It's it's not it's not a matter of you know can you legally share the files or not. It's people will do it. It'll do it. Yes. Like we've got we've got the onion network, we've got Tor, we've got yeah, you know, yes. proxies, darknet forums. I mean if people want to share it, they're gonna use uh you know, mail and mail around USB thumb drives. Right. Right, to. right, exactly. Uh, carrier that, pigeons. Right. Who knows? People are gonna find a way. <laughs> yes. They're, they're gonna they're gonna share it. So is there Ah, here comes Joel. Is there anything that we can Hey Joel? Hi Joel. So should we should we blame the machines or the people who are making the machines available for for stuff? I I, like, I can't see how we can. I mean, that would go back to we would be having to blame the lathes and the CNC for weapons as well. Yeah, I mean, because that's how that's how your your legal weapons are manufactured. Okay, your le- and at least in the U.S. All right, manufacturing your own weapons is legal. That may not be something people approve of, but you can manufacture your own weapons. And so, and and it's being done on milling machines and lathes currently. And and so the 3D printer is just a tool. People are going to use it however they feel they're going to use the tool. Like, I mean, that's, you know. So let's go back to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh God! We you know, chainsaws. you know, chainsaws, the tool, right? Yeah, at its core, as is a machete. Right, as is a machete. It's so actually in, in Germany, the machete is like the only large knife you're allowed to carry. But well, what, what not, makes a machete carry, a machete? Not carry on, you know, as in like you carry right. like a sword, but he, right. because it's it's a tool, right? Right. So what makes a machete a machete? <sighs> What's the difference between a machete and a sword? They're both long blades. Yeah. So it, it yeah. Uh, okay, let's, and, let's, it's a difficult topic. It really is. I mean, it's just there's. But why do we the, have to demonize three D printing? Okay, why is it difficult? The, the difficult is because there's no. You can't do anything. Like people are going to use the tools, in in any way they want. Right. So like you can't keep them from doing that. Right. Just I mean, we've I think we've said it a couple of times that these these weapons could have been made so many different ways. The fact that he chose 3D printing 
makes it 3D printing bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that doesn't jive with me at all. Um, it, he could have made it in so many other ways. This is plans that are available to... Actually, it sounds like almost intent to be made a different way. But he chose to do 3D printing. It's I, I believe the, the so that that model that he did make was a model that was originally totally non 3D printed, and he kind of adapted it to be printable. Uh, okay, uh, how do we get out of this hole? Uh, I, I I don't know. I think we just gotta go. Yeah, like, that's a done topic. That, that's <laughs> that's that. Like, <laughs> I think we're going to end up do, keep talking do, about it. Do, you can't really. Like, I mean, like, as a society, we're going to yeah. keep having to have this conversation of it's just a tool. I mean, the, even even if we say we, we're going to put DRM on all the printers, we're going to, you know, check every G-code file that you upload before you can print it. Like, I mean, scanners, 2D paper scanners, they won't scan uh, currency. Correct. Or print currency. I don't right. know which, which way it is around. Uh, Photoshop won't open currency because you're not supposed to. Correct. Like, right. But there are tools out there who will. Right. So. I mean, there are tools we, to get around those DRMs. Yeah, exactly. So. I don't know. We, 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 we got to figure out something here because the, this, I mean, this sucks. The, the, the fact that this happened, the fact that it was apparently possible for someone to, to build these parts sucks but i don't have an answer for for what we can or what we should do right no because i mean there's actually i mean like there's multiple different conversations within this as a whole obviously but i think we can all agree that 3d printing was not the cause of this 3d printing was not the demon in this 3d printing was the tool that they used to accomplish <laughs> parts of it that could have been done many other ways. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we could, of course, get into that entire topic of how the hell he thought that was okay or how he felt legitimized to actually, you know, even plan an attack like that. Right. So let's move on to a few questions from the community. Um, oh, because cool. you need awesome. You need to go in five minutes. I do. Let's make a hard cut and jump over to the E3D Hermes extruder. Um, so, ask questions, try things was asking, hey, uh, it looks like you can bolt multiple E3D Hermes extruders together for dual extrusion or even more extruders for as many filaments as you want. So, the, uh, the Hermes, you're familiar with it? A little bit. Little I, didn't, bit. I didn't get the inside scoop like, you know, some of your other folks. <laughs> get to play with it, touch it. Yeah. I, I, I got one. I got I one. I'm going to get another one. I'm, I'm not on that list. <laughs> I'll get a second one soon. <laughs> um, Are you going to dual extrusion it? Uh, no. Okay. No, but I can try how they fit together. Yeah. So with the Titan, they had a left hand and a right hand version where the right. from that block, the hot end was offset to like the opposite corner. Right. Uh, Hermes does not have that. Hermes, I think, is relatively centered actually um, from where the filming comes out. Now, what Ask Questions Try Things is saying, I think, is, go, is going um, heatsink to heatsink. Sorry, I need to get some lunch here in a second. Uh, heatsink to heatsink. It looks like that's closer than what it's actually going to be. Because that, that heatsink is, is always shown without a fan. right? Okay, now. right. Uh, so you still need to put a fan on that. Right. That's going to add a centimeter, 10 right. millimeters. You have to add that on both in. Then you need to give it a bit of, of room to breathe. So you're going to get some distance between right. hot ends if you actually do it that way, face right. to face. You do them side by side, like you're getting that standard 47 millimeter spacing that right. is a name, NEMA 17. Right. I forgot which size our motors were. Wow. <laughs> um, but It's been a while since you built one, right? 
um, but the good thing is with the with the Hermes because there's nothing sticking out you don't need to get to the sides which was one of the design goals you don't need to get to either left or right side uh, as in with uh, Titan you had to get to the side at least to adjust the tension then there was right. something sticking right. out on the side so you couldn't really stack them as closely as you wanted to with Hermes you can do that and I think the airflow on that fan is also accounting for that because it's going upwards slightly yeah because my understanding is that the Hermes was kind of designed with the tool changer in mind. I guess. I mean, I that guess. was. I mean, why? Yeah. What? Why not? I mean, yeah, it was their current project. What's but. good for the tool changer also is good for any other printer. Right. No. In terms of size and swappability, I mean, this is a conversation kind of we were having with some other stuff. Is is that the idea of changing out the hot end, whether it be automated on a tool changer, or simply having a hot end as a as a cartridge that you can swap out easily. Um, for the right tool for the right job kind of idea with the hot end. Yeah. Um, I, I think that plays into it, like you said, with the left and the right. Yeah. Because in addition to that nozzle being left right, the tensions were on the left right, and so you had to play with that That's mirror. That's true. Yeah. So so you could only like in a dual extrusion like an IDEX type system, you could have to have your tension over here and over here, and the nozzles were sitting down really close to each other. Yeah. And and you know well, in the IDEX that doesn't really matter, but uh, no, it does. Like a, a two-on-one carriage, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but now, of course, with with Hermes, you can stack them in a forty-seven millimeter grid or maybe fifty, if you want a, a nice round number. Uh, you can't do that. Can you? Can you still mount them though? Because the the mounting flanges are on the side. I guess we can figure something out. I'm, I'm sure this community will figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> we figured out a lot of things. Yes. And one last question um, from Steve Wallace or comment. Um, Stefan, check the Facebook group for the Sapphire. There's a lot of useful info and people who can help you through the bumps on the Sapphire Pro or Sapphire S printers. Which is great that there's that resource. What I want to add to that is like, is it the community's job to fix a, uh, a manufacturer's shitty printer? My, my answer is no. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's not the community's fault, uh, job. It's the manufacturer's job. I should make that clear, based on how that question was asked. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not the community's job. This is one of those things where I get into a lot of discussions with people about you know the lower end printers versus the the, the higher end printers. Is oh, you know, I can buy it cheap and the community will help me fix it and stuff like that. And I'm like, how how many other products do you buy, knowing that you're going to have to fix it? Yeah, and that the community is the support group and not the manufacturer. Yeah. Again, like we said, with with the cheaper printers, with the Prusa Mini versus Ender Threes, or well, the Ender Threes is usable out of the box at least. But uh, with those cheaper printers, like if you want to do that, that's fine. If you set out with the premise of I'm going to buy this printer and start modding it, I'm going to start fixing it. Right. That is fine. But it shouldn't. That shouldn't be the norm. Like the way that these machines are advertised, they're not advertised as, "Hey, this is this is a, a pile of parts that you right. use and that you that you basically adapt to your right. needs." Right. This is a three D printer. Right. And if you buy something that is marketed as a three D printer, I would expect that you do get a three D printer, not a community project. Like it's right. Yeah. No. That's. It's, but yeah. 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 You want a <laughs> printer, not a community project. It's, exactly. It's, yeah. No. There, there are parts kits out there that maybe explicitly are sold as that but um yeah the the sapphire last time i checked was a 3d printer and you would expect it to work it you would expect there to be some quality control and just a functional design out of the box and if it's not then 
you know, Stefan and myself, we review machines. That is something that needs to be taken into account yeah. when we make our, when we draw our conclusion from the, from the yeah. things we see. Cool. Okay, that's going to be it for today. Yeah. Lots of fun, uplifting topics. Yes, Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, thank you guys for sticking through this. Thanks for uh, watching, listening, um, wherever you consume our podcast. Support me or Stefan or you guys by, well, Stefan and myself, you can support through Patreon or YouTube memberships. You guys just, uh, as Bye. a non-representative of Protopasta, yes, you can still buy the Protopasta <laughs> filaments. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thanks for being here and goodbye.